Yes, good morning. Great to have your company here on the Big Sports Brekkie. Laurie Daly and Michael Clark alongside me throughout the course of the morning as we celebrate yet another win by the great man at Novak Djokovic. Before we talk a little bit of tennis, though, and I know Rog is on the line, I'll quickly skate through some NBA because we sort of let it go through to the keeper first thing this morning. Joel Embiid, well, he made history scoring the Philadelphia 76ers franchise record. So... Uh, that's sort of a little up in the air. Philly used to have a different name and there was a different record. But long story short, he dropped 70 yesterday and that was his first showdown against Victor Wembanyama. But it was 133-123 Philly against San Antonio. Carl Anthony Towns scored a franchise record 62, including 30, 44 in the first half. But the Charlotte Hornets managed to erase an 18-point deficit and beat the Timberwolves 128-125 in a surprise. And the Cleveland Cavaliers' Tristan Thompson... For those who are unaware, he's been suspended for 25 games. That came through on Tuesday. That was for violating the NBA and MBPA anti-drug program. So it was to a drug called ibutamorin, which is a growth hormone, which is commonly used by bodybuilders and weightlifters to increase muscle mass. So Tristan Thompson's been suspended for 25 games for violating their drug program there. Rog, great to have you on the show once again. We know you're an exceptionally busy man at this time of year. Novak Djokovic progresses to the next stage again, the Serbian world number one. He might have struggled in the conditions a little bit early, but he came through in four sets against Taylor Fritz, the American, all because Taylor simply refused to wear glasses. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and I threw that out there, and uh, everyone looked at me as if I was, uh, you know, what are you talking about? Um, so, but I liked it. I actually went with it, and I, stu- and I went strong with it too. Oh, that's, that good. A, that's what you love to hear, Rod. Perfect day. Uh, look, he was... He was uh, he was threatened. There's no doubt about that. Novak it was interesting during during the call. I was, I was the, the, I, my opening was how Taylor Fritz plays. He just play, he sort of he dominates the baseline. So he sits in there and dominates the baseline. And Novak generally plays about a meter behind the baseline. That's his home base. That's where he sets up and he goes from there and he works in from there. Whereas Taylor Fritz is virtually on so, on top of the baseline. He's about he he ranges around 25 centimeters. So he's uh, inside uh, from the baseline. So he he was initially going to start by winning the baseline battle, and it was going to be interesting to see whether Novak could push him back. He couldn't because Taylor hits the ball with uh, heavy penetration through the court. With he had the most forehand winners uh, in the tournament up until the start of play yesterday. Uh, was 71, and his and his backhand's flat and penetrating. So and Novak for the whole match couldn't push him off the baseline, and so he was retrieving mainly and playing off the, you know, defence type of tennis and then, uh, but, but found a way to, to win the first set and um, and then it got a little, uh, a little wobbly for Novak and, uh, you know, he was, he was... Was he crook, Rog, or was it just he, yeah, he, he just started slow and just didn't find his rhythm? I think he's. I think he has been. He's just battling. He's been battling with the virus. There's no doubt about right. that. And he's put. And he's. He said that. Um, and you know. And I think you know he, he battled with. You know he had the had the hamstring injury last year. So there there is. You know there's a. He play. He can come in and actually play with some wear and tear and, and manage his way through. So, yes, he was. Yes, it was the sun. The sun was there as well. Yeah. And you know he's playing a, a guy who hits a ball pretty big. So there were a lot of things in the favour of Taylor Fritz going in. Um, into that match, and the last time they played at the Australian Open, uh, they they went to five sets. I think it was 2019, and it was 
um, it was the same scenario where where Novak wasn't feeling 100%, and it got um, he won the first two sets, lost his next two, uh, but Fritz just couldn't get uh, over the line. And and then Novak, you know, he goes into a bit of autopilot. He can lock in um, and sit in the emotion and, and what's being what's happening and how he's feeling. And and but just then put in, put the blinkers on. And um, you know, to beat to beat the greats, those got, when I say the greats, the the all time greats. You're talking about Novak, Roger, and Rafa uh, in this period. Obviously, Roger's not here, and neither is Rafa. Just the concentration level and the the ability to hit the repeat button point after point. I think there's there's a big accumulative wear and tear in that during a five set match. Are you worried about him then moving forward? I mean, Sinner beat Rublev, and that's who he's going to take on. Sinner can't the beat him. Is, no. he can't, Novak's unbeatable. He's, he's yeah. one ten. Mate, he's playing he's at seventy percent last night. And I, when I was, I, yeah. I just looked to me like if you're playing against him in two sets, you're a chance. Mm. But when that's there's three, yeah. mate. When there's five, he just like he just flicks a switch. He goes, "Rightio, you know what? This game I need to win." And he flicks a switch yeah. and he wins no, it. I've never seen anyone like him do that. He's oh, a I think three. Yes. He's yeah. unbelievable. I don't know. There was just something about his game last night that I yeah. And he was a bit oh, angry exactly. as well. Ooh. He wasn't he yelling at his box about yeah. the, the, yeah. must there was no the food he wanted or the drink he wanted. Yeah, he was blowing exactly. up like he seemed like there was a number of things where he was a bit peed off, but that's what I'm saying. Even when he's like that, not at his best. And Fritz was on fire early as well. He just yeah, he was. Novak just and, he just sucks it up so well. Yeah, and he's and he vents at his group, and his group are prepared to take it. They've, yeah, uh, they put their hand up and will take it. And and uh, you know, do I agree with it? No. Um, they, that's what that's what they sign up for. They know what's coming and. Uh, sometimes you'd be told to get out of the box, you know. Um, <laughs> so no concerns at all you've got, Roger, about him? Uh, I don't have any concerns because I just think you get, when, once he gets into this stage now, you just you just get a bit better. Well, in saying that, if there's one person that's going to take him out, uh, well, two people, he's going to face one right now um, in, in Yannick Zinner. And, um, you know, Taylor Fritz, the problem with Taylor is he, he couldn't be a believer how how was he how could he believe that he had the he had everything to beat Novak in the best of five and, and as Clarkie said that you can beat them in best of three sets. You can come out and play slingshot tennis, you can yeah. you can play aggressive and play hot for an hour, hour and twenty minutes and be up and get them in three sets. But when there's no time clock on it, uh, which is the beauty of five set tennis or any tennis match. You, the longer you stay out there, the problem solving that you do, you you go through your ebbs and flows as for energy levels. But then when he decides to lock into you, he'll play this. You know, he'll play the a couple of big rallies where they're extended rallies. He'll defend, turn it into offense, and win it. And then and then you've been knocked out a little bit. So there's a big your first big body blow. And mm. and then you've, as I said, you've got to keep repeating. So you serve Taylor Fritz. He had he was serving big numbers up until that match. And then all of a sudden he couldn't find he couldn't find his serve. Why? Novak's the greatest returner of all time, and you and there's pressure on you to hit your spots. And so he brings so much to the table, and I think over the journey. And look, he played Yannick Sinner uh, played Rublev last night. I'm not sure if any any of you saw it, but it was it was a full time slugfest. It was awesome. Uh, they both stayed on the baseline and said we're not we're not leaving it. Um, there was no pushing off the baseline, and they just swung from the hip. Those two guys and. What Yannick's got is um, he's got some belief. He's beaten Novak at the end of the year. Uh, he's had big wins. He's beaten Alcaraz. He's, 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 he knows how to get the job done now against uh, Novak. He can sustain with him physically. 
Uh, off the back of the court, he's more aggressive. He plays with a bit more dial. He's got some. He's got some. Uh, he's got some slice. He uses his slice. He comes in and volleys as well. And Darren Kale's given him uh, an edge of harden up, um, you know. And last night he had a little bit of something going on with his stomach, and there was a concern at the start of the second set. There's no doubt about that. He might have just strained it on his serve, and there was about a ten or fifteen minute period, and Darren started standing up in the box and just staring him and looking at him and giving that reassurance of you've got to just hang through this time. You can't, you can't, you know, divert from what's going on. You've actually, you're ahead. Uh, it's a big moment in this next 15, you know, this next 15 minutes, you've got to stay tough and try and, you know, sometimes you, you guys would know you get a stinger mm-hmm. um, and it comes and goes. Um, but I, so I think Sinners, uh, that's going to be the most fascinating uh, must watch uh, Novak and Sinner because Sinner can actually push him around and, and can get the job done. Rog, why why do these conditions suit Novak so well? Or not necessarily suit, but he's so good in these Australian conditions. What is it? Uh, the Well, first of all, he plays a lot of matches at night. Uh, so he's not exposed to the, to the summer sun that we have. In saying that, we only yeah, okay. had it yesterday and we've yeah. got it today. So... It, the, the seeds get protected. The big boys get protected in the sense that they might play one match during the day. Novak's played a couple now. Um, but you generally play one match. He went 15 or 16 in a row, I think, before he played a, a day match, uh, Novak. So they play prime time. So uh, they get protected by the conditions. So they're, they're in, in better physical shape, I think, going into, into the second week. And, it, and the, ball, the ball off the court on this, uh, on this hard court just moves beautifully into Novak's hitting zones. Um, and and let's and outside of all that, even if the ball didn't, he's just a relentless competitive uh, animal which doesn't have a weakness. There is no, there's no flaws in his game. You used to be able to go to his forehand side when he was younger, and you'd get you get it you get a but you can get a bunch of errors there. You used to understand that if you stayed out there the longest, um, and in the heat of the day, I remember when uh, coaching my guys, especially Leighton, uh, we would ask to play Novak in the hottest part of the day. I'd go into the referee's office and say, whatever, anywhere in the world, and we want the we want the middle of the day, um, because there was a weakness there physically. So, and he had some he had some issues on his serve. His serve now got him out of trouble um, enormously after he won the second uh, lost the second set. So he looked a bit flat in the second set. Uh, comes out in the third set, and his service percentage is around the low fifties. So normally for Novak, he's mid sixty five. Uh, and then in the third set, he was, for the majority of the third set, he opened up, he served three aces in the first game. And all of a sudden, it was like, I need to push back here and just put myself on the court. And, and he served at 85% for that set um, of first serves in play. And, and so that's that's the shifts, I think, the greats. They just go into some other space. You know, like it's the unknowns that that what makes them tick when it's when they're back, you know, when they're getting pushed back and those sort of things. It's It's quite a fascinating watch. Um, yeah, and I guess, uh, and then yeah, and he can find other gears when he when he needs to lock in. He's uh, he's an extraordinary uh, athlete, to be honest. I'll just skate through the women's results because I want to get your thoughts on the scheduling. Last night has been a big discussion point. So Coco Golf she overcame Kostjuk seven six six seven six two to claim a spot in the semis in a contest that lasted three hours and eight minutes. And then Arena Sabalenka, well, she's just in incredible form. So she's yet to drop yep. more than three games in a set as she beat Barbara uh, Krejcikova 6-2-6-3. So uh, that was she certainly a, an impressive win. Uh, what did you make of the scheduling, mate? Because we were led to believe last night that the women 
on the main court were asked whether they were happy to move to, uh, was it Margaret Court, as yep. opposed to um, Centre Court. But then they've since come out and said they weren't technically asked. They just floated the idea it might need to happen if Djokovic's match went too long. But did we have a drama there? Um, uh, I think, you know, if you're first on the schedule at night, uh, you stay first on the schedule at night, in my opinion, if they were. I think there would have been some, uh, you know, there would have been some conversations around what it was looking like and what it potentially could look like. Um, you know, if it went to the fifth set, you've got to play those scenarios out because, you know, you wouldn't have wanted the men to walk on, potentially walk on centre court at, at midnight, for example, and, and start that. Uh, even though they've got two two days off now, they don't play till Friday, the semifinals. Um, so, yeah, but but I think the right call was, was made. Uh, you know, Novak got through uh, relatively quick. Sabalenka was always probably going to be, you know, she's a big ball striker. She plays fast. She's always going to probably win comfortably. Um, you know, in the Coco Golf match, there was, you know, she actually, she had match point in the second set. Uh, I mean, she was serving for the match in the second set. So uh, there was, you know, could, she could, could have been done and dusted in two sets and we wouldn't be talking about it. So, and there was a bit of a later start. I think it was, um, it may have been due to American TV because Coco was, uh, they wanted to try and get her in prime time, I think. So there might've been a delay in this, you know, the, the start yesterday was probably with ESPN um, re- requesting, um, Coco to start a bit um, later in the day and then they were going to potentially have Coco going into Taylor Fritz. They might have thought Coco was going to win in straight sets though. So the um, West Coast, East Coast combination would have would have been great for them for ESPN. So yeah, but I don't find it, you know, when you win, as as um, uh, Sinner said, he said, um, he said, oh well, he said, I'll play any time. We're in the quarterfinals of, uh, of a major, you know, if you're put on at any time, you just play and you just get on with it. And, um, and you know, I guess you can say that when you win, but uh, I, I tend to agree with him as well. Okay, two great quarterfinals today. So we've got Hercats up against Daniel Medvedev, who weirdly, I feel like a few years ago, he was the primary villain, whereas mm, now yeah, he true. kind of seems to have won the public over. Then we've got Carlos Alcaraz taking on Zverev as well. Can you give us your thoughts on those two matches? Yeah, he, I mean, he's look. He's a funny guy in the locker room. We were walking uh, yesterday. I was walking with Mark Philippoussis, and and uh, Mark was getting ready to play his, uh, the Legends game and serving at 200 kilometres an hour. By the way, just just as big as the guys, uh, but currently, um, and he and Medvedev came out, and we were talking about his the the little piece he did with Jim Curry about his return to serve. And he, Mark said, "I'm going to try that today." In the legends, he said the problem is once I hit it, I'm, I can't I can't come back. It's a long it's a long way to the baseline, so that's that's my that's my problem. But um, and he's six foot, yeah, he's six five, six six, running around like a, you know, like someone who's six two. With, he's just the most agile individual. Um, and wow, has he got some tennis IQ? Uh, yeah, he, look, he he was a bit of the villain because you just didn't you didn't get to know him. And I think that's the beauty now with these interviews. Uh, they're quite lighthearted. Uh, there's social media. There's like, you, you see so much more of an individual, so you get to learn and, and sort of learn how they, uh, you know, how they sort of uh, how they roll. But interesting match. You know, Medvedev also was, you know, he was he was he was a, he was a finalist twice. Um, so he's he knows in twenty twenty one and twenty two. So he's 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 been in great form. Uh, there's no doubt about that. He's he's had he's had a few slow sets, but in general he's been in in really good form. Her catch he plays is, uh, you know, he's her catch is. He's quite a vanilla type of player. He doesn't give you a lot on the tennis court, 
big serve. He's probably had the big best serving um, serving numbers so far this tournament. It's kept him in uh, kept him in some certain matches, but um, uh, he's he he just plays a big solid straight game up and down the court. I think Medvedev would be uh, too good for him in general. He's just got a bit too much guile and too many smarts on the tennis court. He moves, puts the ball in some awkward places for him and. And then Zverev and Alcaraz, that's going to be a, uh, a great one um, because Zverev's a semi-finals here in 20, uh, 2020, 26-year-old. He's, he's got his game in, um, you know, in better shape. He used, to have a, he used to have the yips on a second serve. He used to probably serve it sometimes at 100, 110 kilometres an hour and it sat there looking at you saying, hit me for a winner. And, um, but Alcaraz and Sinner for mine were the two guys that made statements um, in, their rounds, you know, in, their, in, their, in their clashes because... Sina made a great statement two nights ago. Obviously, I said Alcaraz made a great statement two days ago. He was it's about as explosive um, as I've seen someone on the tennis court for a long time. Um, and you'd have to go into a, a young Nadal uh, who came here and, and, ex- and played tennis matches like that from all parts of the court. He hit a forehand, boys, at 171 kilometres an hour. Uh, wow. he, smacked, he smacked a forehand winner. And um, it, yeah, oh, I don't know. That was that was incredible. So that'll be a great. Uh, it's going to be great fun tonight. With uh, I think Alcaraz will get through that. I think Medvedev, and then those two will play. Um, you know they'll play to the play. You know, and with the semi-finals with Novak and Sinner. Now if we get those four, that's about as good as you can you get if you had a look at the draw and said, you know that's that's your that's your best four guys right there. Yeah, we're certainly getting to the business end, and they are four big names. If that is how it plays out, Rog, we'll chat again soon. See you, boys. Great to have your company on the Big Sports Brekkie. It's been a big morning already, but a lot to still look forward to. Laurie Daly, Michael Clark, and Ben Wade taking you through the morning. Keep the text coming through. McFennick, I saw yours. Hey, guys, welcome back to Cricket Australia. Think we're stupid. I couldn't believe during yesterday's story on Glenn Maxwell, they said dropping him from the T20 squad had nothing to do with what happened at the pub. Are you telling me he's not the first person picked yet again? Cricket Australia telling porky pies. Why don't they ever tell the truth? Michael, any thoughts? No, none. <laughs> I don't think he's been dropped. I think he's, I think he's been rested. I think uh, they're, uh, yes, They're correct. managing his workload. But is, is his workload excessive? Oh, mate, he doesn't play the, the most fatiguing format of the game. He doesn't play test cricket. So I don't understand why they need to manage his workload playing one-day cricket and T20 cricket. I don't, I don't get that at all. So I, I can I completely understand Mick's frustration um, with his message. Um, I just, you want to see the best players, and of, I understand of and made already the test matches, all that type of stuff with the players. So true, you know, subbing them out of a game yep. here, a game there. But again, I just feel as though we're just we go too far with it all. You, you want to see the best players play. Well, we just discussed, is anybody going to go watch these one days and T20s anyway? No. Like, so the, the least we can do for the fans is play your best player. our most famous players, our most significant players, yeah. the players that kids look up to. That gives, that gives families, you know, a reason if your son or daughter mm. says, I want to, you know, they would, they want to see Glenn Maxwell play. Yeah. They want the entertainer out there. So yeah, I, yeah. I think I'm, yeah, I can, can, Completely get and understand and always have the frustration of uh, fans not getting to see, you know, the best players. I can understand the frustration and the suspicion there too. Yes. Because all of a sudden you're being rested 
And well, he stood, later down, in the he stood afternoon. down from the Melbourne Stars captaincy as well. Like all in one week, yeah. all, all in two days, he went rested from the Australian team, stood down from the T20 captaincy, right. and then we find out that this the has happened. incident happened. Yeah, so, it's, so you it's can understand why people, why are, people are suspicious. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're just thinking that. And even Australia if it, hasn't told the whole truth. And that's the thing. It, it, even if they have, have told, told the, the truth, truth, it's just the way it looks. That's it's the exactly perception. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get it. Morning, boys. Just looking at the Gosford Fields today. And in race two, there's a horse called Highness, which is the same horse or same name of a horse that ran second in the Magic Millions. That is true. That's the, the expensive schnitzel cult. How are they allowed to have the same name? That's from Tommy. Now, my understanding, Tommy, is that that one might have just slipped through the cracks. They have the same name uh, due to the fact that one was named here in Australia and the other, I believe, is an import, maybe with Bjorn. I think the one running today uh, is a former French galloper and has come here. Correct me if I'm wrong. But so now that it's in the country, that horse will probably have to change its name. Usually you see them change to Sir Highness or, or something of that variety. So we'll see what happens with that gelding. But yes, at this stage, we do have two horses in New South Wales uh, with the same name. Uh, in terms of the boxing bouts, Vonnie Sampson versus Millie Boyle or Brad Davidson, either one. I don't know that that would be a, a bout that lasted too long. Uh, but well, Dave, Dave will be on a little bit later. <laughs> Dave, Dave will be on a little bit later. He he rates himself as a cricketer, and he can play cricket. He's quite good. Right. good batsman. Adam Pengilly. He's is good quite a good. Well. Uh, is he? He was a very good cricketer. Yes, quite a good table tennis player, Dave. I would say above average. Good table fisherman. Tennis player. Good yeah, fisherman. loves his fishing. Loves Dave, his fish. yeah. But a very average boxer on spec. I've never boxed him. But I would say on you'd back spec, yourself. I'd back myself. Yeah. Well, I'd back anyone. But yeah. hang on, uh, hang on. Him, are you are you you're going on his size? You're making that judgment on his size, size and nature. I think he'd hit you in the eye and apologise. <laughs> <laughs> Is my suspicion. Lover, not a fighter. Uh, yeah, nothing wrong with that. I'm not sure whether Kayla George can throw them, but it is time to welcome the Sydney Flames centre. <laughs> and to Sydney Flames fans, tickets to the club's final standalone games at the Key Centre are on sale. Tickets are priced from just fifteen dollars and thirty dollars for families. Just head to Ticketek.com. First and foremost, Kayla, good morning and congratulations on the Opal selection. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me and thank you. I appreciate it. Love wearing the green and gold. Describe the feeling of being picked to us. I mean, these guys know what it's like. Describe the feeling to me. Oh, um, well, without getting too emotional, um, representing Australia and, and rocking the green and gold, definitely my, my favourite team to play for and there's nothing quite like it and um, you know, I take a lot of pride in, in, you know, the Opals and legacies that have come before me and, and you know, to, to continue to build that for the people coming after me. And, um, yeah, look, I think we've got a, a really big job to do in, in Brazil in a week or two, and I'm excited for the challenge. Yeah, Kayla, Kayla, I think you've – well, firstly, congratulations, but I think you've got a great example right beside you in that Opals team in showing the world how special it is to play for that team in Lauren Jackson. You know, time yeah, out, absolutely. retired, come back, still wants to be a part of this amazing team. So that must be so special for you to play alongside her. Oh, absolutely. She was on my school books when I was in high school. So it's like a, <laughs> a full circle moment. Like, she's it's crazy. Cool. She's my idol now. She's my teammate and my Opal sister. So it's definitely yeah. full circle moment. And I think, you know, the Opals have had such great culture and, um, you know, it's really been built up again. Obviously, before Tokyo, there was, you know, some stuff that went down and, 
and we had to rebuild our culture. And, and I think our leadership group in Tess and Sammy Whitcomb and, um, you know, have really done a great job of... Oh, sorry, my, my daughter's just making some noise. I'm sorry, she wants to be on the chat. Um, <laughs> Put so her on. Yes, yeah, so, um, so, yeah, I, it's, it's been really built up again to where it should be. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a great group of girls to be around. And, and we, you know, honour past Opals. And we want to, you know, make sure that, you know, future Opals really see that and want to be a part of what we're about. Not just to represent Australia and play basketball on the court, but what it means, you know, just to be an Opal without even stepping foot on the court yet, you know? Like, we just want to yeah. really instill that and, and make sure that people, you know, want to be about what we're about. And um, I think we've done a really good job and, of doing that. Yeah. And obviously, the girls would have been disappointed with Tokyo. What, what gives you the confidence if you can get there? Well, you will get there. But in Paris later this year... Why do you think this Olympics will be a lot different to Tokyo Olympics? I think our prep will be a little different because obviously that was a COVID Olympics, mm. so that our prep was really. But like everyone, everyone's in kind of the same boat. Um, but I think um, you know, us Aussies we're pretty resilient, and you know, no matter what we go through, we kind of come through on the other end stronger. So we kind of just rallied together even more, and we won a bronze last oh, 2022 at the World Cup. So. We met, we came second in 2018 and then obviously Tokyo happened at the World Cup in 2018 and then at the World Cup yeah, a couple of years ago we got a bronze. So we've been meddling at the world but then two years later we you know, were unable to hit the podium at the Olympics. So I think that we're overdue for uh, a podium finish at the Olympics and um, we're really hungry for it. What about the Flames, Kayla? How are you guys placed? How do you feel? Massive game tomorrow. Yeah, I think, you know, like all good things take time and uh, there's a very new team this season and we kind of got out the gates pretty slowly and I only got back from the States three days before our first game. Yeah. So, um, like, it's always going to take time. New coach, new new culture, new everything. There was only a, a few girls that we hear from the last couple of seasons. So, um, I think we've turned the corner and I think we're, we're peaking at the right time and, you know, hopeful just to scrape through into finals. And once finals is time, it's anyone's time, you know. Yeah. So, we'll hopefully make some damage in finals. Well, you're coming off the back of a couple of good wins against Adelaide and UC Caps. Uh, taking on Southside, and you mentioned Lauren Jackson there before. Um, she's actually playing. How, how do you limit the impact that she has on a contest? Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, <laughs> how do you limit the greatest player to ever play the game? Mm. Um, well, I think, you know, we'll uh, you know keep our game plan a little bit of a secret, but I think Lauren's really talented, and she's been in every different type of scenario in a basketball game. Um, so we'll just probably... You know, attack her a little bit, try and get her in foul trouble. I mean, she's that turnaround jump shot over her right shoulder has been what's made her a lot of money over the years. And, it's, you know, she's beaten almost everyone in the world with how she's played. So um, we'll just try and limit her to her, you know, favourite spots and, and try and get her in a bit of foul trouble to get her off the floor. I think it's fair to say it's been a playoff drought, five years or so. How important is it for the team and, more importantly, I guess, the fans to see you guys progress to that next phase? Yeah, I think the club certainly has um, put together a really great group of humans, um, first and foremost. And I think, you know, we're all working really hard to try and create a really strong culture moving forward, not only this year, but moving forward for the club and the program. So um, it would be really exciting if we could, you know, pinch a final spot this year and, and, you know, make some noise in the playoffs. Um, So that's kind of what we're aiming for. And, uh, you know, we've got a couple huge games left and um, two versus Flyers and then one versus Council in Council, which would be really tough. Um, but hopefully we can close out strong and, and do us all, you know, really proud. And we work really hard, so hopefully we can finish it up. Yeah, Kayla, you, you mentioned coming back from overseas, playing over there in Vegas. What's the difference between the WNBA and our league out here? Well, I think the league has, I think, 
I played 50 games over there. That was including finals. And I think including finals here, you play about 26, 27. Mm. So it's, I mean, almost double in length of games and a little bit of time too. There's about five, six-month season. So kind of similar-ish to this, but I think we're about four or five months here. Um, and then in terms of just, like, actual playing, I mean, it's the best league in the world. So you've got the best athletes. It's stronger. It's, you know, faster pace. Um, there's a few different rules in the WNBA. So it is, it is very different. It certainly is the best league in the world. Um, but, I mean, we're not far off here in the WNBL. We're, we're definitely one of the strongest leagues in the world uh, among, you know, the European League and, and the WNBA. So that's, there's no doubt about it. We have some great imports that come out here too. So that play in the WNBA and at top level. So um, we're a great league here. Yeah. And what about Vegas in general as a sporting city? Because the NRL are going to take over... Uh, a couple of games to Vegas and everyone's wondering how that will be received and whether the locals will get behind it. How how do you think it might go? Yeah, when I was living there, I saw a little um, advertisement for the old uh, NRL coming over. So that's pretty exciting. I think that they'll take it well. They're sports crazy in um, in Vegas. Um, Our owner who owned the Aces also owns the Raiders in Mark Davis. So he's sports mad. So I think, you know, They'll get around it, and it's not a bad spot. I mean, the Strip, if you like to party after games, I guess I'm not really a big partier right now. I'm a mum, but um, actually never really have been. But the Strip's very much there for anyone that wants to have a good gamble and a party. Um, but, you know, I think that the NRL guys will, will enjoy it over there, and I think the fans will get behind them because, like I said, they are sports crazy. So we obviously know what the Flames have ahead of them, but when we're talking Brazil, so... Just refresh our memory. You've got the host nation, Germany, and Serbia across four days to essentially qualify for the Olympics there. Yeah, that's right. So we uh, played Brazil first. We're playing the host nation first. What a treat. They'll be so excited, and the crowd will be electric for them, which is great. They get excited when we drop a bobby pin, so that'll be fun. Um, But we'll be all right. And then we play, I think, Serbia next, then Germany last. So we just have to finish top three out of four to qualify for the Olympics. But... I mean, to get a better seating at the Olympics, I'm pretty sure we need to finish, like, as high as possible. Um, but, I mean, the goal is to qualify, so that would be, yeah, just don't come last. Perfect. All right. Well, I'm sure you won't. Kayla, we've really appreciated you coming on the show, and we'll be cheering you on. No worries. Thank you, mate. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. It is time to welcome in our good friend and dog sitter, Brad Davidson. Good to have you on the show again, buddy. Good morning, guys. How are we? We're very well. There have been a few suggesting our talk topic this morning has been boxing bouts you would love to see. And there has been a suggestion that you and I go toe-to-toe, which is interesting. As someone else, I did question your boxing ability, Dave. I hope you don't mind. But I did give you plaudits as a good cricketer. And we did have one text come through saying, he must be a good cricketer. He's certainly batting well above average with his wife. So shout out to Kelsonader as well. (laughs) Yeah, I certainly am in, in that department. There's no doubt about that. Uh, look, I did a bit of boxing back in the day, Ben. Oof, if oh, yeah. yeah she got Dave Benny up. covered. Mm. But I, I think uh, we might be in, in different weight divisions I there agree. with my... Uh, <laughs> oh, hang I agree. So, hang on. Harsh but fair. So he's talking up fair. his own boxing ability yeah. and then calling me fat. That's a that's Featherweight oh. versus heavyweight, that's you reckon, That's an early Dave. one-two punch. <laughs> that's an early one-two punch from Dave. <laughs> no, I'm not calling you that. I'm just simply <laughs> saying my, my uh, tiny arms, I, you know. Barely 60 kilos, but I remember back in the day when I was actually over in England playing a bit of uh, just the club cricket one year. I had a, had a sparring match with my with me, yeah, good mate, and he's about 40 kilos heavier than I was. And uh, in in the front yard, and there's a bloke who walked past on the street and said, "Gee, my money's on the other bloke." That's for sure. After seeing a couple of punches, so. <laughs> 
I've just had one come through. Davo would punch the ears off you, Ben. More than likely, that is true. Hey, this is a little bit unrelated, but I guess given we were talking about cricket, I'll push through with this text as well. Morning, boys. I need Cricket Australia to talk to my bosses and ask them if they can manage my workload. I do 60 to 70 hours a week driving trucks for about one-tenth of what Maxwell earns. Drives me crazy, that one from... Craig the trucky. I think there'd be a few out there who raised an eyebrow at the old management thing off the back of the mm. pub hoopla there in Adelaide. Uh, the Gov. I don't know whether you've ever been to the Gov, Dovo. I don't think I have, Benny. No. no. Um, but uh, no, I'll, uh, I'll have to get there one day. Good pub. You'd love it. Yeah. Musical hub of Adelaide. Yes, Lots? Yeah. Text message comes in for you, Dovo, from Rosa. Hey, boys, can you ask Dovo about the bidding war for Storm Boy? Yes, an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, look, I'm hearing that Coolmore's leading the, the race. That's the reports of overnight and that, well, you've got to stump up about $15 million to start with and then if the horse wins a golden slipper, at least uh, another 25 And it doesn't surprise me, guys. We see it more and more these days, don't we, with these uh, talented colts that uh, they often lock them in before they go and potentially win a golden slipper. Obviously, a lot of water to go under the bridge, but you know he's already become one of the highest-rating Magic Millions winners and... We talk about, you know, the ratings experts have rated that performance better than a lot of gold and slipper wins in the past. So um, no surprise to see the, the, the studs uh, sort of lurking and trying to do a deal before the, the autumn. And um, I believe that's expected to sort of be finalised in the next 48 hours. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But um, no doubt the owners of Stormboy keen to get some sort of, I guess, certainty and uh, going forward and, and same with the studs. No shortage of racing. Given the public holiday, we have a good two days of racing in Sydney, Friday and Saturday. Yeah, we certainly do. Of course, Warwick Farm, the Australia Day Cup, going to be a warm one on Friday, but always a, a terrific meeting out there on the uh, on the Australia Day. And then backing up a, a day later at Ramwick, should be a terrific card there with the listed Carrington Stakes as we slowly start that build towards the Autumn Carnival, which will take full shape in the in the next month or two. So plenty to look forward to on Friday, Saturday. It'll be a busy few days doing the form. Do you like anything anywhere today? Yeah, look, I think uh, Coco Dreaming's probably the best loss at, at Gosford. Um, I think it's about $1.90 in the last, but does look the, the best uh, there at Gosford today. And I thought of Port Lincoln in race eight. Arful Ambition's a, a grey horse that uh, just hasn't had a lot of luck of late. Um, he's been drawing wide and just getting a little bit too far back, but he's got a booming finish on him. Finally draws a gate today. I think he can just park on the back of the speed, and I thought he could go crunch there over the 1,000 metres. So uh, race eight, up full ambition there at Port Lincoln as well. For those who missed Punter's Intelligence last night, it's 7 p.m. on Sky Thunderbird Central, usually with Brad Gray, Nick Burney and myself, but Brad Gray has been missing the past few weeks. Nick Burney highlighted Coco Dreaming across the entire card as well as his Wednesday winner. So a couple of votes of confidence there. And I did see a text come through as well about Adam Pengilly's selection saying that I forgot to ask him. Uh, that is something that I would do, but on this occasion he actually sent through that he didn't have a tip for Gosford today. So as a result, I, I didn't ask him. So with that in mind, maybe we're just going to have to follow Nick and Bradley in. Hey, we've got a spare minute or two, Brad, so I just wanted to unpack something from Saturday. Uh, when you were on the show on radio on Saturday morning, you unnecessarily referred to your areolas, uh, suggesting that you had the smallest nipples in Australia. And as I understand... Hang on, hang on, hang on. What are we talking on, about here? Yeah. Mate, I didn't do it. Where's right. this Dave? This right. is Dave. My question talk to you, Dave, was... Right. Well, when you hopped off air, 
<laughs> what was the response from your loving partner, who, as I, as I understand it, did hear your comments? Well, I was actually sitting next to her at uh, at, at, at brunch when I was doing that uh, doing that uh, chat. And did she know who uh, you were I, talking I to at the away. start? I get a little bit carried away on Saturdays. We kind of flirt with the boundary a little bit, and uh, it's just sitting there at a few other things, and you know, given the odd little. Uh, face smirk going what are you talking about but that one got a big shake of the head like what on earth are you going here and I almost pulled up halfway through because I'm thinking oh if she's doing that then uh, I don't know what the listeners are thinking so anyway yeah so get a little you know how your nipples got involved in a conversation David there was no segue there was just (laughs) straight to it was just size of nipple okay I don't actually remember remember how it came up Brad (laughs) I tell you, just a five cent piece would would cover it. That's for sure. That's about. Okay, but again, that's you're not telling us how it came up. You're just telling us you've got small nipples. Uh, I, used get, I used to get uh, five cent uh, nipple packs in cricket. You know, when you do the packs after the game, that would be me every time. Yeah, that's yeah, that's still good. But again, no, no one's asked you. Uh, you're a good kid. I'll see you in the ring. Uh, see you, David. So, yeah, I look forward to that. <laughs>